Enoch was a guy who walked with God for 300 years and he pleased God. He obtained the testimony that he pleased God. Now that should be the desire for every Christian that they would want to have a testimony that they pleased God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's not improbable. It's not hard. It's not really, really difficult. It's impossible. You'll never please God without faith. Sometimes Christians get confused about exactly what faith really is. Some say it's just a step off of a cliff into the darkness. Some people get the idea that faith is a feeling. Other people think it's just real positive thinking. But what does the Bible say that faith really is? We'll find the answer to that today on From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve as he continues the message entitled, What is Faith? from his series, The Walk. It's based upon the Apostle Paul's inspired comments in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, where he says, So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. There is so much to unpack in that verse. And Pastor Jeff will continue doing that today to help us understand the foundational truth of what is faith. We're in part two of this lesson. If you missed part one, go to fromhisheart.org and click the listen link. Right now, open your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11 and let's get started. Here's Pastor Jeff to answer the question, what is faith? Hebrews chapter 11 in verse one, the writer of Hebrews, we don't know who it is, but he says this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the men of old gained approval. I want you to notice with me two discoveries concerning faith. What is faith? What does God want us to know about faith? Discovery number one, faith is the right response to divine revelation. That is biblical faith. It's the right response to divine revelation. God reveals it, and we respond to what God has revealed, and that is faith. Faith is the right response to divine revelation. Secondly, faith is the right response to God himself. See, faith is rooted in the word of God, and it's rooted in the person of God, and you can't dissect God from his word and that's one of the problems with the word of faith movement. It, it makes faith this, this entity of itself. As one man preached, uh, have faith in faith. Well, faith in faith doesn't mean anything. What, what, what makes a difference is faith in God. We sing that song, have faith in God. He's on his throne, have faith in God. He watches o'er his own. He'll never fail, he must prevail. Have faith in God, have faith in God. And God reveals himself through his word. So God and his word are connected. And when we connect our belief in what God has said and step out in that, that is biblical faith. Now it says in verse five, 
By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Enoch was a man, Genesis chapter 5, who never died. Only two men in the Bible never died, Enoch and Elijah. They escaped death. Elijah was taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. And the Bible just says of Enoch, uh, he was walking with God. He walked with God for 300 years. And one day he was walking with God and he was not for God took him. And God just translated him to heaven. Some people see Enoch as a, a picture of the rapture of the church because uh, Enoch had a son. His son was named Methuselah. Enoch didn't start walking with God until he became the father of Methuselah. And Methuselah is an interesting name. Methuselah is a compound name. Little Methuselah, that name literally means it shall be sent when he is dead. And God was in communication with Enoch. And he heard from God that this baby that you're going to have, when he dies, I'm going to send judgment. And he named him Methuselah. It, it shall be sent when he is dead. And you do the math and you'll find that in the year that Methuselah died, that's when the flood came. That's when the flood came. And God took Enoch out before the judgment came. A picture, I believe, of the rapture of the church. But here is Enoch. And Enoch was a guy who walked with God for 300 years. And he pleased God. He obtained the testimony that he pleased God. Now, that should be the desire for every Christian, that they would want to have a testimony that they pleased God. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's not improbable. It's not hard. It's not really, really difficult. It's impossible. You'll never please God without faith. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Faith is the right response to God himself. You come to God, you believe that he is, that he is what? That he is the sovereign king. He is the sovereign king. As it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, the blessed and only sovereign, the king of kings and lord of lords. God is ruler of all. God doesn't take, he doesn't have counselors that come around him like earthly kings did. What should I do here? What should I do there? No, God is in charge of everything. The Bible says a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground except by your father, except he allows that to happen. He's in charge of everything, everything. I love in the book of Jonah, how the Lord uses in Jonah chapter one, a great storm and a great fish. And then in Jonah chapter four, he uses a plant and a worm. He's the God over the magnificent and the God over the minute. He's over everything. He is the sovereign God. And as sovereign, God says the one who comes to God must believe that he is, that he is what? That he is the sovereign. And as sovereign, he is creator, God. The sovereign is the creator. And he mentions that in verse three. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. He kind of is marching through the Old Testament. He starts in Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter one, the very first verse of the Bible, you know, God is never uh, proven. He's just presented in the beginning. God, 
He was there in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He is the creator God. And verse three says that we understand that the worlds were prepared and we understand that they were prepared by the word of God. See, faith and the word of God go together. And it's by faith that we understand that God spoke the worlds into existence. It, it, we understand it by faith because we weren't there. And people today will tell you, hey, you know, if you believe that God created everything, well, then you're an idiot. And uh, atheism is inseparably linked with evolutionism because how else do they explain everything being here? But here's the thing, they weren't there, they don't know. Two very well-known uh, scientists from yesteryear had the honesty to say this. One of them named Dr. Asa Gray, he was dubbed the most illustrious botanist in the history of American science. He said this, a beginning is wholly beyond the scope of science, which is concerned with how things go on and has nothing to say as to how they begin. Science can't tell you how things started. Richard Dawkins was asked the question, how did it all start? He said, we don't know. We don't know. But we've all heard the, the uh, postulation, it's the Big Bang. It all started with the Big Bang. Listen, by faith, we believe that God created everything. And by faith, those who don't believe in God, they believe by faith that it all just started, that nobody times nothing equals everything. You want to talk about checking your brains at the door? If you believe in the equation that zero times zero equals everything, uh, you have uh, a ton of more faith than I do. But it's easy to believe that the God of the universe, the sovereign king, spoke it into existence, just like he says in the book of Genesis. How about this guy? His name is T.H. Huxley. He's a biologist and an evolutionist. He said this, it appears to me that the scientific investigator is wholly incompetent to say anything at all about the first origin of the material universe. Because science can't, it wasn't there. We weren't there. So by faith, we believe that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, just like he said. He is the creator God. And he is the sustainer God. Not only is the sovereign king the creator, but he's the sovereign king that makes it all go. He holds it all together. See, it says in verse three that uh, what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. We know today that what things are made of, they're made of atoms. And, and in an atom, you have the protons and the neutrons in this thing called a nucleus. And around the nucleus, you have electrons. And the electrons spin around the nucleus at incredible speeds. Billions of times every millionth of a second. That's how fast the electrons spin around the nucleus. Electrons are negatively charged. The protons are positively charged. Neutrons don't have a charge. And here you have these things spinning around the nucleus at incredible speeds. And here's the question. How do they not fly off? Scientists don't know how to answer that. Christian scientists say it's answered in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter one, speaking of the Lord Jesus, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You know, we sing that song, he's got the whole world in his hands. 
He does. And he holds it all together. He's the glue of the galaxy. It's called the Colossian factor by some scientists. How can they explain it? They can't explain it other than it is. God is the one who holds it all together. He's the one who created it. He spoke it into existence. He is the sustainer. He holds it all together. He is the eternal one, as Moses said in Psalm 90, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Faith is the right response to God himself. He is the sovereign God, and he is the good and gracious God. This is so key, because a lot of us hopefully don't have trouble with God being king, God being the sovereign God, and God being creator and sustainer and eternal. Hopefully you don't have trouble with that. The one who comes to God, the one who gets near God, approaches God, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. What does that mean? It means that God is good and God is gracious. The king of the whole universe is a God that you can get close to. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. Now, here's the trouble many people have. They see God as the king, as the creator. They have trouble seeing God as good and kind and gentle and loving. They struggle with that. Maybe because their own fathers were not good and kind and gentle and loving. How many have ever played the game whack-a-mole? You've seen that game before? They have it at the pizza place just down the street. Whack-a-mole. It's a little uh, kid's game where you have this little, you have this little beater thing, you know, and, and these, these little moles pop up and you've got to watch. You have like, uh, I don't know, eight or nine of these little holes and it's like, okay, when he comes up, bam, pop him, you know? And as soon as you can knock him, he comes up and comes back down. So you got to hit him quick. That's whack-a-mole. Lots of people see God as a God who has that stick in his hand, that, that beater thing. And as soon as you pop up, man, he's ready to smack you. The God, the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he might find somebody that's doing something wrong and whack them. That's God. Hmm. A.W. Tozer said, the most important thing about a person is this. What comes to your mind when you think of God? What comes to your mind when you think of God? Let's do something fun. Right now, I want you to think and see yourself in a huge waiting room. And you're in this waiting room with multitudes of people. And they're calling names one by one in the waiting room. And when the person's name is called, that person leaves his or her seat and goes to the door. And on the other side of that door is God. And you're in the waiting room waiting to meet God. And they're calling names, and it's alphabetical, and you know he's getting closer. It's getting closer to your name, and there's just some anxiety that's rising up in your heart. And then they call your name, and they usher you to the door, and they open the door, and you step through, and you meet God. What are you expecting when you meet God? Are you expecting a finger in your face? Look what you did. I know everything about you, and you did this, and you did this, and you did this, and you did that. You expecting a finger in your face, the finger of accusation, 
Or are you expecting arms open wide? Are you coming through that door in fear and trepidation? Oh no, I'm, I'm meeting God. I don't know what he's going to do with me or to me. Or are you coming through that door? You're going to run into his arms because he's a God who loves you. What you think about God is the most important thing about you. And if you don't understand that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who seek him, if you don't really see him for who he is, you're not going to come to him. And you're not going to uh, obey him. And you're not going to step out on his word. Why? Because you're, you're afraid of God. And you stay, I got to stay away from God because, man, you can, God's whack-a-mole. And I get close to God, he's going to whack me. That's not God. This is God. Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, when Moses wanted to see God's glory. And the Lord said to Moses, Moses, you can't see my face. No man can see my face and live, but I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock and I'll cover you there with my hand and I'll pass by you and you can see the back of my glory, but you can't see the front of my glory because if you did, you'd die. And so God passed by Moses and he said these words, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. God is a good God. He, he forgives to the thousands, the thousand generations, he visits iniquity, which is the twistedness and the perversion of sin on the third and fourth generation. See the, see the disparity? Third and fourth generation versus a thousand generations. God is so skewed to the good. And he's compassionate and he's gracious. And Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you shall find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my load is light. Have you seen God for who he really is? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. I'll close with this story. A young Christian was looking around and he was noticing as a young Christian that many Christians started off like a house of fire for the Lord and then fizzled out and just didn't have the spark, didn't have the fire. They just kind of left, left their first love and lost their first love. And he didn't want to be one of those. And he knew that there was a man in their community who was an old man who had been walking with the Lord for decades and decades and decades. And he was still so on fire for the Lord. So he went to visit him to ask him what made the difference. Why do, was he seeking so strongly still after all these years and so many, else, so, so many others, they just kind of faded back into this comfortable, blah, lukewarm Christianity. So he went to see this man. He's an older man. He was sitting on his front porch. He had his dog there on the front porch. And this younger man began to ask that question. What makes the difference? And he said, I'll answer that question with a story. He said, one day I was out on the porch just enjoying the beautiful day. And uh, my dog was there and he said, a large white rabbit came hopping by. And he said, my dog saw the rabbit and he chased out after him. 
And he was going after him with all he could and all he had. And he was barking and he was carrying on so, and he was chasing that rabbit and that rabbit was running away. And he said, some other dogs around heard the commotion and they heard the, all the barking and they joined in on the hunt and on the, the chase. And he said, they were chasing this rabbit uh, through uh, little streams and through briars and through difficult stony patches. And he said, and after a while, the other dogs, they just got tired and they lost interest and they quit the chase. He said, my dog was the only one that kept on. And he said, young man, that's the answer to your question. And the guy's like, that's the answer to my question? I, I, how, how's that the answer to my question? I still don't understand. What does a rabbit chase have to do with staying on fire for the Lord? And the old man said, well, you didn't ask me the obvious question. Why did the other dogs quit the chase? So the young man said, all right, why did the other dogs quit the chase? He said, because they never saw the rabbit. Do you see him who is unseen? The Lord, the Lord, God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. Do you see him who is good, who is God, who says, come to me? Listen, if you want to please God, you got to start walking by faith. you got to start taking the Lord at his word and stepping out on his word and doing what he says. Some of you are here, and you know what? You've never given your life to Christ. You might have your name on the church roll, but you don't have your name in the Lamb's book of life, and you know it. You know it. Deep down in your heart, you know you've never yielded yourself. You've never let go of the steering wheel of your life and cried out to the Lord, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. It's in your head. It's not real in your heart. Today is the day for you. Quit playing games. Come to him. He loves you. And God is looking. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. That could be you today. As you've been listening and contemplating today's lesson from Pastor Jeff on From His Heart, have you realized that you do or really don't know Jesus Christ in a personal way? Well, that can change if you don't. With a repentant heart and in faith, come to Him. Ask Him to come into your heart and to forgive your sin and mean it. And when you do, He will. You can come to Him right now. And when you do, we'd like you to go to fromhisheart.org and click the Why Jesus link. There you'll find some free materials to download, listen to, and watch that will help you get started in your Christian walk. Walking by faith means living life in light of eternal consequences, not current problems. To walk by faith is to fear God more than you fear mankind, to obey the Bible even when it conflicts with what the world says, to choose righteousness over sin, no matter what the cost to trust God in every circumstance, and to believe that God rewards those who seek Him, regardless of who says otherwise. Do you struggle with that question? Well, Pastor Jeff's series, The Walk, will help you learn to walk by faith and not by sight. We're featuring messages from this series the rest of the month. You can find out more about that when you go to promisheart.org and click the Listen tab. Also, for a gift of any amount to From His Heart this month, 
we'd like to send you his series, The Next Step, that we aired the first part of the month. All seven messages in the format of your choice for your gift today. Call 866-40-BIBLE, 866-40-BIBLE, or go online to promiseheart.org to make that gift and request the series, The Next Step. Thank you for being with us today on From His Heart. I'm Larry Nobles, inviting you to be right back here again tomorrow. That's when we'll share real truth, real love, and real hope from God's heart. Here on From His Heart. From His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, speaking the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember, no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at fromhisheart.org.